Our reading is taken from Ecclesiastes 11 through to 12, verse 8. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you will receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind, or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know that which will succeed, whatever that or this is, or whatever both will do equally well. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However, many years anyone may live. Let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart, and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart, and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigour are meaningless. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return from after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed, and the sound of grinding for far fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights, and of dangers in the streets, when the almond trees blossom and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer it st is stirred. The people then go to their eternal home and mourners go to the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it come from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Well, good evening and welcome to our online evening service. And if you're tuning in and 
or this is your first time ever watching a sermon and maybe you're new to church, uh, well, can I say thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, tonight we're looking at an Old Testament book uh, called Ecclesiastes. And if you haven't been with us over the couple of weeks that we've been gathered here, uh, going through this book of Ecclesiastes, uh, well, just to recap what we've seen so far, you see, this book, uh, it collects the wisdom of someone who was called the teacher. And the teacher back at the start of the book, back in chapter 1, verses 12 to 13, he says this. He says, I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the sun. The teacher in this book of Ecclesiastes basically examines every part of life. And we see throughout this book that he, he tries and experiences every pleasure that you could imagine. He experiences what work is like. Every aspect of life he looks at. And the answer and what the teacher concludes right the way through the book is, well, it's all meaningless. He says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And meaningless in a sense that the teacher shows us that everything in this world is fallen. It's broken. It's it's not the way we know it should be. Our work leaves us drained. It leaves us exhausted and frustrated. Things that bring joy and pleasure seem to only last moments and then fade away. Why is it that bad things happen to good people? And why is it that good things seem to happen to bad people? Why is there such a problem with injustice in this world? And, and ultimately, the life, the world that the teacher walks us through, well, he shows us that life is ultimately very fragile. Life is unexpected. And ultimately, life is very short. And maybe we see the world that the teacher takes us through in Ecclesiastes, especially in the circumstances that we face right now. And we think, well, he's not wrong. And yet, throughout this book of Ecclesiastes, uh, whilst at times it seems so depressing and sad, actually, it's a book filled with hope. And it tells us that if we're looking at this world, thinking that there's something wrong, thinking that surely this can't be it, well, that's because Ecclesiastes says it isn't. The best is yet to come. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the teacher says, God has set eternity in the human heart. There's something more to come. There's life beyond the one that we're currently living. And, you know, whilst Ecclesiastes says that God has set eternity into our hearts, well, actually, as we read on through the Bible, we see that Jesus makes this eternity known to us. He reveals it to us. And because he died, because he rose again, conquering death, because Jesus said, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And there's real hope in Ecclesiastes. Hope that God will right all the wrongs that we see in this world. A hope that ultimately points us to Jesus. Points us to what he's done. Uh, points us to what he is doing and what he will do in the future. And tonight well, we're looking at our penultimate passage in Ecclesiastes. We're coming to the end of our series now. 
And as we go through our passage tonight, do keep your Bibles open if you have them at home. Uh, Look at it online uh, if you can see that. But as we go through our passage, uh, well, there are three points that I want to take us through. And the first one is know that you don't know. Know that you don't know. And that's from chapter 11 verses one to six. You see, what the teacher shows us in the first section of our passage is that, well, life is so uncertain. And it's uncertain because so much of life lies outside of our control. Look with me at verse two. He says, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Verse five says, so you cannot understand the work of God. And verse six, for you do not know which will succeed. Ultimately in life, there are so many unknowns. Uh, We don't know what will succeed, what will fail in life. Uh, We don't know what disaster will come around next after this one. And it's always hard to know often how God is working. And ultimately in all of those things, well, we find that there's often nothing we can do about it. That's what the teacher shows us in verse three. He says, if the clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in that place where it falls, there it will lie. You know, in life, in all of this uncertainty that we face, while so many circumstances that we face may lie outside of our control. Well, the teacher says that there are two ways that we can respond to that. Firstly, he says we can respond by procrastination. (laughs) Look with me at verse four. The teacher says, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. She says we can look at everything going on. We can look at our present circumstances. We can look at the uncertainty and how so many things lie outside of our control. And well, We can do nothing. We can end up not just not doing anything. We'll always be waiting for better circumstances to come around. We can respond by procrastination. Or the teacher says we can be moved into action. Look with me at verse one. The teacher says ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. And then down at verse six, he says, sow your seeds in the morning and at evening, let your hands not be idle. The teacher says the other way we can respond in uncertainty was to embrace the unknown, to make investments. Sure, you don't know what's going to happen, but invest anyway. Now, we might be thinking that, well, the teacher in Ecclesiastes is probably giving the worst financial advice you could ever be given. And that maybe he would make the worst investment banker you could imagine, telling us to invest in uncertainty. But the reasoning behind this is not a misplaced confidence in the unknown, but rather a confidence in what the teacher knows about God. Uh, Look with me again at verse five. The teacher says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, So you cannot comprehend the work of God, the maker of all things. It's a confidence in who God is, the one who rules and sustains all things. The one that we see a teacher calls the maker of all things. 
Uh, the one a couple of weeks ago, as we saw in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the one who holds time in his hands, beginning and end, all in his hands, all in his control. And so because the teacher knows that God is in control, and God knows what to us is unknown, well, therefore, the teacher says he can plant. He can invest with confidence. It's a confidence in the sovereignty of God. And, you know, for us today, what an enormous comfort and encouragement to us as a church. That even in times where things are uncertain about how they'll pan out, in times where maybe everything seems outside of our control, well, actually to know that God is in control. And that means that I can keep sowing and I can keep investing and praying in serving, in talking to people about Jesus, even when it seems like nothing would ever happen. Because the teacher says, who knows what God could do through that? Who knows? Who knows what conversations will fall on the good soil? Who knows what that one phone call to a neighbour to make sure that they're okay will lead? Who knows what using our time, our gifts, our money given to the gospel will do, the fruit that it will bring? But actually, I can take such rest in knowing that I don't know. I don't know. And trusting that even when I don't know, God does. And trusting that he has complete control Complete control over what's uncertain, complete control over everything that is outside of my control. Know that you don't know. Well, our second point as we go through our passage together in Ecclesiastes is know that judgment is coming. Know that judgment is coming. That's from chapter 11, verses 7 to 10. And in the next section, the teacher reiterates uh, something that we saw last week in Ecclesiastes, that actually part of how we live now in the midst of this brokenness and the fallenness that we see and that we experience around us is, well, we aim to enjoy the life that God has given us. And look with me at verse eight. The teacher says, however many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. Then verse nine, he says, you who are young, be happy while you are young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. And that might seem quite surprising to us. And let's be honest, quite strange, maybe in the circumstances that we're facing right now. But the teacher says alongside that in verse eight, he says, but let them remember the days of darkness for there will be many. Life is mixed, isn't it? We have good days and we have bad days. We have good weeks and we have bad weeks. We have good years and we have, well, this year. And yet the teacher still reminds us that whatever season of life that we might be in, God gives good gifts for us to enjoy. And if you want to hear more about the things that we can enjoy, how we can enjoy the things that God has given us, we'll do check out the podcast from last week on Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, to see more on that. And yet, do you know, in this call for us to enjoy life, for us to enjoy the things that God has given, the teacher wants us to know something 
at the end. Look with me at verse 9. The teacher says, But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. You see, the teacher full well knows the potential, again, as we saw last week, for good things that God has given to become God things to us. And the potential within our hearts to enjoy all of these good things without us having every, any reference to the one who's given us those things. And therefore, the teacher wants us to know that one day we'll help be held to account before this God. We'll stand before this God and ultimately to let what will happen in the future on that day shape the way that we live now, shape the way that we enjoy God's good things now. The things that he's given us to enjoy. Know that judgment is coming. And thirdly and finally, as we go through our passage in Ecclesiastes together, know God before it's too late. Know God before it's too late. And that's from chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. You see, in the final part of our passage, and in fact, the final part of hearing the teacher's voice in Ecclesiastes, well, he leaves us with his final words. And the thrust of what the teacher leaves us with is as we see at the start of the chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. Look with me. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. In fact, he repeats that. If you look down at verse six, he says, remember him. And that word remember, it's, it's not just a sense of where we're living life, uh, just conscious that God is there, uh, conscious that, well, he exists. But rather, to remember your creator is to live a God-centred life. As one person says, remembering God is no perfunctory uh, that's uh, doing something without any interest, no perfunctory or purely mental act. It's to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and to commit ourselves to him. And this is about saying that actually I'm not here by accident. I've been given life. I've been given breath by the creator God. And therefore to live out the truth that I am completely and totally and utterly dependent upon him for everything. And he hasn't made me to live with him out of the picture, but rather he's made me to live in relationship with him. And yet, you know, in the last part of the teacher's wisdom to us, the teacher is keen for us to action this before it's too late. Look with me again at chapter 12, verse 1. The teacher says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before... The days of trouble come. And then in verse two, before the sun and light and moon and stars grow dark. And then again, down in verse six, remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel is broken at the well. Teacher says, make sure this happens before these things happen. And you know what the teacher describes in the last part of our section was well, the imagery of gradual decay and, and ultimately death. The imagery of a house he uses to describe the human body. And in verse three, he says, strong men begin to stoop and those looking through windows grow dim. Windows are an image of, of eyesight fading with time. At verse five. 
uh, the almond tree blossoms, an image to describe uh, the change of colour in someone's hair when they get older. And then the image of a grasshopper that we've seen, an insect known for being quite jumpy, uh, well now described by the teacher as dragging itself along, uh, not having the energy uh, that it once had. And I'll be honest, <laughs> this isn't one of the most encouraging set of images. But you know, they are realistic ones, aren't they? We cannot escape the fact that as we grow older, our bodies physically, even mentally, begin to weaken. And then in verse 6, well, we get this image of a, a silver cord severed and a golden bowl broken and a, and a wheel broken. And, and all of those are images of death when it eventually comes. And the teacher says, remember God before that day comes, before it's too late, before, as it says in verse seven, that our, our spirit returns to God who gave it in the first place. Remember him before it's too late. You know, Bono, who is the lead singer of U2, do you know, he said this, he said, Ecclesiastes is one of my favourite books. It's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge, he tries wealth, he tries experience, he tries everything. You hurry to the end of the book to find out why, and it says, remember your creator. In a way, he says, it's such a letdown. Yet, it isn't. And you know, the reason why Bono says it isn't a letdown, the reason why when the teacher says, remember your creator to end the book isn't a massive letdown is because actually the teacher reminds us that this world that he's been showing us right the way through his book is a world that we know and we can see all too well is so painful, is full of pain, is broken. It's full of unknowns, it's full of uncertainty. It's a world that promises so much and yet often delivers so little. And the only hope we have is the one we're called here at the end to remember. To remember, to know, to live for. And you know, the wonderful news today is that actually God has made us and he's not waiting for us to make our own way to him, but actually the Bible reveals to us that God has made himself known to us. And as we go through the Bible, we find out he's made himself known through the person Jesus. Now, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. If we want to, as the teacher says, know God, remember him, well, we're to know Jesus. We're to look to him. And, you know, as we look at Jesus's life, we find that Jesus came in order that we could have a relationship with the one who made us. He came that all of our wrong, our failure, the times that we've lived with him out of the picture. Well, he came that all of that might be forgiven through Jesus taking our punishment on the cross in our place. And as we heard right at the start, Jesus didn't stay dead, but rather three days later, he rose again. He conquered death. And, you know, one day it says that he will one day return. 
he will bring this judgment that we see here in Ecclesiastes, a judgment where he'll right every wrong, a judgment where he'll restore what's broken, where he'll make all things new. And the question really is for us, is will we remember, will we trust him before it's too late? Will we accept this rescue now and not too late? Turning to Christ, turning to Jesus and receiving the hope and the life that he offers us. You know, at the end of Ecclesiastes, uh, the teacher says, and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. It reminds us of death. It's an image that points us back to the start in in Genesis chapter three, where, where death falls upon creation that ultimately one day it's the reality we all have to face and yet do you know these wonderful words from 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54 which says this about what Jesus has done it says death has been swallowed up in victory where O death is your victory where O death is your sting the sting of death is sin And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know, Jesus is the hope that not only we need, but actually the hope that I think we're all longing for as we look at this world. And so will we trust him? Will we remember him, as the teacher says, in a way that realises our desperate need? to trust him and you know uh, Charles Bridges once said this he said many have remembered too late but none too soon